Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. As we get into Matthew today, we're obviously talking about the resurrection. We're focusing on Matthew, the first gospel's account of the resurrection. And for many of us, the story of the resurrection is very familiar. Um, you know, the story of Christmas and the story of the resurrection are very familiar uh, for most Western civilizations. We understand, you know, Jesus born of a virgin. Uh, uh, in a manger and and the animals and the shepherds and the star we know that and then when it comes to easter we know jesus riding in on a colt and the palms and and uh the 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 crucifixion the just humiliation of jesus and his crucifixion his horrible death and and then being laid in a borrowed tomb and then on the third day rising again this is a story that most of us have if we've been in church any length of time are very familiar with if we grew up in church and went to sunday school we're very familiar with and this familiarity can kind of take the power out of the Word of God a little bit. We're so familiar with this story. We think, well, our whole duty as Christians is just to know the story. And, and that's not true. That What we should really be experiencing on a Resurrection Sunday is transformation. What we should really be experiencing is the power of God. And the power of God is, is not meant to, the, the, the Word of God is not just meant to be memorized. It's not even meant just to be read. It's, it's meant for transformation. And um, we need to be, be yielding ourselves to that power. I'm not saying give it that power. It has that power. The Word of God has power. And uh, we just need to yield ourselves to that process. And I would submit to you today that the story of the resurrection is not just for knowing. It's for changing. It's for transformation. And as we said, Jesus, after he celebrated that Passover supper, he was betrayed he was sold out by one of his best friends. How many of you ever have been betrayed by a close friend, a confidence betrayed, a, a lie told, you know, stabbed you in the back? And the whole time Jesus knew this was going to happen, and Jesus betrayed him with a kiss. And then he's before Pilate. Pilate's like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want anything to do with this. This man is innocent. You know, I mean, yeah, he's got some beef with the religious people, but it has nothing to do with me, and he tries to let him go, and it doesn't happen. And the people say this, this basically the religious people of the day demand his crucifixion, demand his death. And Jesus is not just killed. He's not just executed. Nobody puts a gun to his head or puts a noose around his neck or puts a needle in his arm. Jesus is first humiliated. All his clothes are stripped from him. He's beaten within an inch of his life, literally. And then, bleeding and exhausted, he carries at least partial part of the way his own cross to Golgotha, where he is nailed to that cross. And I've talked about the significance of this many, many times, about how Jesus, who created everything, was nailed to a tree he spoke into existence. Nails driven into his hands by people who were dust before he spoke them into existence. And he submitted himself in humility to this entire process. He was obedient to the will of the Father. See, because 
In order for the relationship between God and man to be restored, justice had to be meted out. And the only way for justice to be meted out was for Jesus, for God himself, to take the punishment. And that's exactly what happened upon the cross. And can you imagine the fear of those who for three years had followed Jesus, for those who had called him rabbi and teacher and listened to his teachings, though not fully understanding, obviously, everything he said, because he said he must die. He said he must rise again. But they didn't really understand that. To them, Jesus was dead. And on the third day, two women go to the tomb and they're looking for Jesus and when we, when we start in verse 1, we see what happened. Let's go to verse uh, 1 of chapter 28 in the book of Matthew. Now on the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. The first eyewitnesses of the resurrected Lord are two women, which is so significant culturally in their time, that two women, and one of them disreputable, would go and find the tomb empty. If you were going to build a court case, you would in this time and age, you would not start with two women witnesses. But while this may discourage some from believing the resurrection, it should only affirm our faith that it's true. You would never make up a story and put two women as the first witnesses in this day, in this kind of society, as the two first witnesses of the resurrection. Verse 2, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came, and he rolled back the stone, and he sat on it. I just, that, that tickles me. He's just sitting there like a boss. He just rolled this huge stone away. Verse 3, his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear, for, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. <laughs> the two guards fainted. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. These two women are, I mean, they just so loved Jesus. They're going to pre prepare his body. They're going to, to ready. They, they didn't go expecting to see a risen Lord. They didn't go expecting to find an empty tomb. You know, they were going as a demonstration of their love for their Lord. And when they come, of course they're afraid. I mean, the two, the two guards, two hardened soldiers fainted. And here are these two women, and they come, and they see the angel sitting confidently upon the stone, and he's addressing them, and they don't fall over. Their, their fear is starting to give way to faith. Their fear is starting to give way to faith, and that's what happens when we allow this story to transform us. The fears we have give, we, give way to faith. We all have fears. We're, we all have little things we're afraid of. Some of you may be afraid of the dark, hopefully not many. Tight spaces, heights, spiders. My wife despises spiders, and she executes them with extreme prejudice in our house. I have to admit, I've never, I mean... I've never seen spiders like I've seen in here in, in Germany. I almost said Texas. We have scorpions. Those are also bad, but uh, bad, bad spiders here in Germany. Public speaking, some people are deathly afraid of that. Needles, injections, things like that. 
I, Stacy and I, we are kind of afraid of missing our airline flights. And last night, I actually had an unsettling dream about missing an airline flight. I have no idea. I have, I'm not even going anywhere. And for some reason, I was flying to the Ukraine of all places. And uh, I, I, I'm rushing around, and I get to the gate just as that door shuts. And you know if that door shut, the jetway's already gone. They're not going to open that door for you. And for, why, why did I have, that was last night. Why did I have that dream? I have no idea. That is a recurring dream I have. Missing a flight. I have never missed a flight. We are those weirdos that is there like three hours early and just, you know, what are we going to do at the airport? I don't know, but we're not going to be late for our flight, you know. But, you know, we all have different fears. And one fear we all kind of share is this unknown of death. At some point, maybe you don't fear it now, but at some point you've had this fear of death. And, you know, we're reminded at funerals of death and just how final it is. And, you know, what, what, is, what is heaven? What is it like? I, I mean, am I going to make it? And, and we, we fear these things. I want to tell you that for the believer... For those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, death has been defeated. You have nothing to be afraid of. And the resurrection proves his victory over death. And in it, we have the reassurance that we too shall rise, that we will be in the presence of the Lord, that what Jesus has done, he has not only done as a demonstration of his lordship, which it certainly is, but because Jesus rose, it, it validates every promise he made. You cannot underestimate the significance of the resurrection. You cannot underestimate the significance of it. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we have no right being here. What, 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 who are we worshiping? If he didn't rise from the dead, he is not Lord. Jesus has risen from the dead. There is no room for error in this. There is no room for discussion. We say here sometimes, you know, we have open-handed issues and we have closed-handed issues, things that we're willing to kind of, uh, that we're willing to agree to disagree over, right? Uh, But this is not one of those things. If you don't believe in the resurrection, this is not the church for you right? If you believe Jesus merely swooned on the cross or somebody who looked like Jesus died on the cross, but Jesus, the son of God was not crucified, that he didn't die. And that three days later, he didn't rise from the dead. You probably shouldn't be here, right? Unless you're just checking it out, right? But no Christian should affirm otherwise that Jesus didn't die or that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Because our whole faith hinges on it. It is the completion of every promise Jesus made. And through his resurrection, we have security that we will rise. Paul, quoting the Old Testament prophets in his first letter to the Corinthians, he says this, death is swallowed up in victory. Whose victory? Your victory? No, Jesus' victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? How many of you know that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're driving home and you think you're going to Easter brunch, but you don't make it for whatever reason, that there is no reason to fear that. You will be in the presence of the Lord, Amen. period. I would even say, even if you haven't made Jesus Lord and Savior, you will also be in the presence of the Lord, though for very different reason. And if you're not a believer, should you fear death? Absolutely, 100%, you should fear death. But I want to tell you that death in the body is never the end that God had in store for us. 
He, did, he never designed that we would die and be separated from him forever. Our, in creation, God made us to be in fellowship, perfect fellowship with him forever. In the sin of our father, the first Adam undid all that because his sin separated him from God. But our life in the second Adam, that is Jesus, has been restored. Everything that, was un, that happened at the fall was defeated with the victory of Jesus. Do you understand that? Everything, death, sin, the grave, all beaten back through what Jesus did through his death and resurrection. And if, if we believe Jesus has risen from the dead, if we put our faith in Christ, we will share in his victory over death. Oh, death, where is your sting? I want to tell you, I don't fear it. I'm not macabre. I don't welcome death. I'm like, you know, tomorrow, Lord, that's fine. But I know that if I were to die tomorrow, I'd be in the presence of the Lord and I would enter into rest where there's no more pain, there's no more crying. That's hard for us to imagine. There's so much pain in this world. There's so much mourning. There's so much loss. And we think of all of the things that we would lose when we leave, but it's kind of like becoming a Christian. We kind of lament before we become Christians of all the things that we, we might have to leave behind. I want to tell you, when you leave this world, you're not going to miss anything. You're not going to miss your things. You're not going to miss your cars. You're not going to miss those things. We know this because the Bible promises us that there's no more crying there. There's no more weeping. It's just joy in the Lord. We, fear gives way to faith. Secondly, in verse 7 and 8, what happens next is they go quickly and they tell the disciples he's risen from the dead. That's verse 7. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. What an awesome promise to these two women. There they will see him. They're going to see Jesus. How many of you know you're going to see Jesus? Somebody say amen. You're going to see Jesus. He has promised as much. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, with great joy to tell his disciples. What is the fear? How can you have fear and great joy? Fear here is reverence. The power of God's on display at the empty tomb. <laughs> I'm telling you, if, if you were at a funeral and that thing creeped open, you know, and a hand stuck out of there, you'd be like, whoa, hold the phone, right? There'd be like, wow, the power of God is on display here, right? But there's great joy too. And in church, that's why we say we celebrate the resurrection. Is it tragic that Jesus died? Yes, it's tragic when anyone who's innocent dies, it's really tragic that Jesus, God, became, humbled himself first as a baby and became man. The creator became the created. That, that's humiliating. He, he becomes one of us. But then the, the manner in which he dies and, and all the pain and suffering, it's humiliating. And we lament that in the Holy Week, in the week of the Passion. But on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, there, there should be joy in our heart because he's not dead. He's alive. We don't serve a God of wood or stone. I don't care how many churches you go to that have a crucified Lord on the cross. He is not there. He is not on the cross and he's not in the tomb. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father where he belongs. And his ministry is no longer that of a suffering servant, but as a triumphant king. Amen. Our, our picture of Jesus is just so small of who he is and his ministry today. 
See, in the cross and in the resurrection, on the cross we see the depth of God's love. We see how far God is willing to go for us. Crucifying his own son upon the cross. In the tomb, we see the power of that love. We see God's power on display. This is what gave them great joy. The Lord is not slow, Second Peter says, to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing any should perish, but each come to repentance. His resurrection opens the door for every single person to be saved. Every single person to receive his forgiveness. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think you are, no matter how, how many things you've got in your closet, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He died that you would be set free from all that guilt and all that pain and all those things in your life that are holding you back from everything He wants for you. He undid death. He undid death. And we share in His victory. We share in His victory. I mean, it's not... It's not our victory. I mean, he won it all by himself, but he chooses to share it with us. It's like he trained, he ran, he lifted the weights, he did all the competition, he grueled through it, and then when he gets the first place trophy, he calls us all on top to be with him. And we all get it. In this case, we all get a trophy. In this case, we're all winners in Jesus. We have the victory with him. The promises of God are fulfilled in and through Christ. We're not just forgiven, we're redeemed. And we're clothed in his righteousness, as we said in communion. It's called the great exchange. We give him our sin, and we get, he in exchange gives us his righteousness. Is that a fair trade? No. It's, it's way in our favor. But he took all of our sin upon himself, but then extends to us his righteousness. That's a reason to be glad. That's a reason to be happy. That's a reason to celebrate Easter. Lastly, fear gave way to obedience. In 9 and 10, we see the first inklings of the Great Commission. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. What's up? And then they came and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Go and tell. This is the command to these, to these two women, go and tell. And he, ex- he extends that in the Great Commission in 28, 18. He says, go therefore and make disciples, excuse me, 19 of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the commission that God gives us. And obedience is not a word we like. We thought, you know, when we, how many of you couldn't wait to move out of mom and dad's house, right? I mean, that's why I joined the Air Force. Hello, I couldn't wait to get out of the house and be, you know, call my own shots and do my own thing. The obedience, no. Obedience to who? To what? And you know, since Adam, we've had that in us. You know, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I know what's best for me. I know my own truth, right? Nobody's going to tell me what's what. And that's what Adam and Eve did. And we've been doing it ever since. But I want to tell you that 
Once we come into the family of God, once we enlist in God's army, once we give our heart to Jesus, he gives us mission and he gives us purpose. And we submit, we obey his word. I, it is completely unreasonable to disobey the Lord. If he is Lord of your life, and which I think this is such a profound reason that the Christ, early Christian brothers and sisters greeted themselves this way each other this way. They would shake hands. They would hug each other. They might kiss each other and they'd say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Because you can't say with one, with, I guess you can, Peter did it, but so often we say Jesus is Lord out of one side of our mouth and then we say no out of the other. But if Jesus is truly Lord, then the only reasonable reaction to anything he tells us to do is complete obedience. Right? If he is truly Lord, right? if he did put the sun and the moon in the sky, if he hung all the stars, if he created you and me, if he is truly Lord of all, then the only thing we can do is say yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, no matter how difficult, no matter how trying, no matter how counterintuitive it is, the only reasonable response to his lordship is yes, is obedience. It's so funny when Peter, you know, I laugh when I read when Peter would say, no, Lord, it doesn't even make sense. No, Lord. <laughs> what? Is he Lord or not? Either he's Lord of all or he's Lord of nothing of all. How many of you ever heard that before? He's either Lord of all. That's so true. It's so true. Is he Lord? Then say yes. Walk in obedience. Now, one day when we see Jesus, it's going to be a glorious time. Now, whether it's when we die or because Jesus comes back, one day you're going to see Jesus. And perhaps like the women at the tomb, we'll fall down and will hug his feet. I don't know if, I don't think I'll be standing, to be honest with you. I think the best I'll be able to do is kind of hug his ankles. But I'll see him in that moment. I believe that. And I'll, I'll be able to touch him. Now, until that time, I won't be able to touch him. I won't be able to see him. But I can still express my love for him and my trust. And I do that through obedience. The motivation for my obedience is not to tick off the boxes, not just to do the right thing so I can in some way earn salvation. No, that's not my motivation. My motivation is to demonstrate my love for my Savior, my trust, the fact that He is Lord. How many of you have ever given advice to someone only to have them turn right around and ignore everything you told them to do? Kids don't count. I mean, when you're talking to, because all kids do that, but adults Right? Somebody's come to you and they said, well, you know, I really got this situation in my life. This happens to me all the time as a pastor. All the time. It's exhausting. You know, what do you think I should do? How should I do this? What do you think? And I tell them and, I, you know, we'll talk with them and we'll pr even pray together. And they go and they do exactly the opposite thing. And you're like, what? What? Why did I waste time? And some of you have done this and you have taken my advice. But you know, when you ask me something, if I don't know the answer, I'll research it. I'll find it. I'll do everything I can to help you, right? I'll come and I'll come do the, if it's work, I'll come work. But if I do all that and then you're just like, nah, I'm going to do my own thing anyway, I don't really feel appreciated. I don't feel like my opinion's appreciated. I don't feel respected. You know, that's how we feel. Now, I'm not likening God to us, but you can see what I'm, what I'm getting at here. We, we demonstrate our love by putting our trust in him. By saying, yeah, you are Lord. And there's no other practical way to do that. Right? Here, now, you can't put your hands around his feet. We don't have the privilege of Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Right? We don't have that privilege. How we show Jesus we love him is we obey him. 
And Jesus tells us as much in John 14, 15. He says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now that seems impossible. The commandments, seriously? Everything in the Old Testament, everything Jesus gave us, and I want to tell you in your own power, in your own strength, it's impossible. It is impossible. It's an impossible task, and it's meant to be impossible because the only way to keep the commandments is to surrender your life to Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the only way. Jesus didn't leave us as orphans. Yes, he's not here today. He's not on earth. You know, we teach kids, and we have for years, Jesus lives in your heart, and that's true metaphorically. But the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit is who, the person of God, we worship a triune God, the person of the Holy Spirit is present with us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. See, Jesus is not a ghost. He's not an aberration. Jesus rose from the dead in his physical body, and then he ascended physically to the right hand of the Father where he is today, and we won't be able to see him, touch him, put our arms around his feet, worship, cry, until that day where we see him again face to face, whether in death or his return. I want to tell you, church, we can believe in all, we can put our whole faith in all of this and not blind faith, not, not faith like, I just hope it happens, but it's evidenced in the resurrection. Because he rose, we will see him again. Amen. Amen. Now our fears are conquered. Death conquered. We have a joy knowing we will see Jesus again and how we demonstrate our love for Christ is through obedience. We live by faith. Put your faith in Jesus. Some of you are still on the fence about this whole lordship thing. Really, can I put all my eggs in that one basket? Can I really do that? I want to tell you there's no other way. It's all in or all out. That's it. But why? The question's too big to left linger. You know, I, I have witnessed my fair share of people. And from time to time, you know, I'm just not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Well, what are you waiting for? You know, tomorrow's not guaranteed to anyone. What are you waiting for? Sort it out today. Make up your mind. Figure it out. Is Jesus Lord? Is this resurrection thing real or not? But if it's real, the implications are staggering. It's all in. Jesus is Lord. And the thing is, whether we accept it or not, doesn't change the fact that He is. Period. Yeah. But uh, I see so many people put this decision off and off and off. Don't, don't put it off. We put so much in. We, we YouTube everything. We Google everything. You know? everything. Put some time and some effort into this big, big question. Is Jesus Lord? Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.